It does way. look like you're Ariel yeah, in that light. Nice. It's like smooth. It is. Do you have a hardcover? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I took a hard uh, start. Or you start. Hi, Ashley. Hey, Olivia. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, rum and Coke. Nice. Because I was trying to think of things that would fit the book, and I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. But then I thought about how in the olden days there was cocaine in Coke, and they used it medicinally. Okay. So it was sort of like a medicine. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then but- I'm drinking a gin and tonic like I always do, and <laughs> gin with quinine was used to stave off malaria, so medicine. See? Medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so do you taste... In tonic, do you taste the quinine? Um, I know what tonic tastes like, but I don't know if what I, I assume that I'm tasting quinine. I don't know. Because I heard um, this radio, this podcast called Surprisingly Awesome. Have you listened to it? I have. Not Did that you hear episode, the though. broccoli one? Oh, yeah, the broccoli one. Do you remember? I think it was that, where they were talking about how, like, you either have this, like, taste bud that tastes bitter stuff or you don't. Oh, yeah. And it was like, that's why some people just don't like broccoli or the, don't like the taste of it. And then the right. other thing that they taste is like quinine in tonic. Interesting. I don't know if I taste it. I guess, I mean, I'm not opposed to tonic, so yeah. I'm assuming that I don't. Yeah. But do you really like broccoli? Like raw broccoli? Yeah. So you probably don't have it then. Yeah, interesting. Because I think weird, though, because I always call things bitter. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like, I always like, oh, it's too bitter. But I like all those things. Oh. Makes sense. Did you also read that article that was like, sociopaths love gin and tonics? <laughs> or no, maybe it was psychopaths. Like, I don't remember. Maybe you just told me about it. I don't think I read it. I, like, saw it and it was like, hey, guess what? If you like bitter stuff, and that, that means you like pain, and it means you're a psychopath. And I was like, this is really bad journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. I do like gin and tonics. Well, I do, too. I love them. Yeah. It's my, like, drink Uh, of choice. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. I guess we'll see. I guess we will. Anyway, sorry to bogart the convo. Well, and on that note of uh, (laughs) what we were just talking about, the book. (laughs) The book. So, what did we read this week? We read Psychiatric Tales by Daryl Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a graphic novel. I think it's uh, pronounced or sorry, graphic novel. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think it's pronounced novel. <laughs> it's a graphic novel. Uh, it's a book of different little short stories. I think there's e- 11. Yes. Um, and each short story is about... Okay, so Psychiatric Tales... This, the guy who wrote it mm-hmm. spent some time as an aide yes. in a psychiatric ward yes. um, and later had some issues of his own that he had to deal with yeah. and decided to create these graphic short stories based off of his experiences in both positions, both as an aide and as someone working through these problems. Mm-hmm. Um and so each short story is about a different subject. Yes. Yeah. 
Good synopsis. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, first thoughts? First thoughts? Um, Beyond my thought that I like how the cover is so smooth. Yeah. Ooh. So smooth. <laughs> um, first thoughts were, are, um, when I picked it up, I didn't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous that it was going to be either overly cheesy mm-hmm. or, like, trying to simplify things too much. Right. So, wait, can I interrupt? Sorry. Yeah. Your coworker or your employee said you'll like this book. What was, like, the intro that you had before you read it? Oh, so it was actually just I told her that I just read Threadbare. Mm-hmm. And how that was one of the first graphic novels that I had read it. Read. I love ridding. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not even drunk. <laughs> sure you uh, aren't. <laughs> it was one of the first graphic novels I'd read. You read um, it. She said, oh, how funny. I just read one also for school. Oh. Um, and it's about mental health. Do you want to trade? Do you? And that's all I knew about it. Nice. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so that's all I really knew about it. Okay. Um, was that she had read it and enjoyed it. And you um, were worried that it would either be like simplified or... Um, yeah, simplified or um, just cheesy, I guess. Yeah. But it was neither. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that for being short stories about very heavy topics... Um, like, let's see, what what are some of them? Sorry, I also read this a while ago. Oh, yeah, sorry. I know, I said we read it this week, but that wasn't both of us. Um, there was... Dementia Ward, oh, Cut. Yeah, Dementia, and Self-Harm, and Antisocial Personality Disorder. Yeah. Quite a few. So, I thought that depression. for being such short stories about such heavy topics... Uh-huh. It actually touched on them really well. Yeah. Uh, And I was able to, I felt like it gave me enough time to actually feel something about each of these subjects. Yeah. Um, But because they are so heavy. Right. uh, Also was like a good length. So I didn't have, like, what am I trying to say? It gave me enough time to feel something, but I wasn't just sitting there reading about the same subject for too long in a way that would probably make me more depressed. Gotcha. It's not overwhelming. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But I liked it. It was hard at times to read part of it, but... Totally. But it's good. Yeah. What do you think? I, um... First of all, I think we talked about this when we read Threadbare. I really like graphic novels, but I always feel like I don't have enough practice reading them. Um, yeah. And so, like, it sounds dumb, but sometimes my anxiety going into a graphic novel is like, what's the reading process going to be like? Which I know right. is stupid, but just felt it. And um, I was, I just think that, like, the simple black and white was a really good choice. Yeah. Because I feel like, first of all, it could symbolize a lot having to do with, like, the stigma of mental health issues and the idea that it's seen as very black and white but really it's super duper complex and he's pointing that out like he's pointing out that like these are individuals who have like whole 
universes of stories behind their experiences, and this is kind of just like an intro. Um, yeah. And so I thought, like, that was really cool. But also, the black and white is just visually extremely pleasing, and I thought that his style of drawing is really interesting. Um, yeah. It was, like, super, I don't know, like, it reminded me of something else, but I couldn't figure out what it reminded me of. There's, like, um, an old newspaper cartoon, I want to say, that some of this drawing style reminded me of, Uh but I I couldn't remember which one it was. Right? Did you have that feeling, too, where you're like, this reminds me of something, but I don't know what it is? Yeah. That's interesting. I I really, I thought it was interesting, too, that in the last section where he gets personal and he talks about his own experiences, Uh and he's like... He's talking about, like, after the darkness, he found art. And he just sort of, what did he say? This is page 130. I gradually developed a small amount of self-worth through artistic talent. I was creative and imaginative, particularly good at drawing urban landscapes, streets, towns, and cities. And right when he said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, he is really good. Like, I love these little, I love the sort of, like, shots of buildings, like the drawings of this, like, when you have, like, an overhead of, like, a city or a street corner. Yeah. Like, super pleasing. And, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting super wrapped up in that. But I was like, yeah, he is really good at drawing street scenes and cities and buildings. Yeah. He is. No, I think, I know what you're saying. When I was reading that part, it was a little bit, it gave you time to reflect on what you were actually reading and yeah. see it his perspective and you're like oh wait yeah yeah you're totally right like now i see like this last chapter was or story uh-huh. was a way to kind of see the whole the whole collection as a whole again yes i totally agree and for me i think it was like a really good choice to put that at the end because I think through the earlier sections where I'm just thinking of him as, what was his job title? A um, healthcare assistant. Healthcare assistant. I was thinking of him as like a professional and I was thinking of him as somebody who's outside of these people and their experiences, but is like a sympathetic and compassionate um, professional working with them. Yeah. But I think reserving his own struggles for the end was really interesting because then I was able, kind of like you said, to think back on everything that I had read and think about how obviously it touched on his own issues in a more personal way that I didn't necessarily recognize the first read through. But reading through the second time, it's like, you can, I don't know, I feel, I felt like I could sort of see a little bit where when he was expressing um, love and compassion towards okay. people with different um, mental illnesses, he was also sort of expressing love and compassion towards his own journey and his own experiences. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you get to kind of see his his story through all of it. Yeah. Uh, and really, I mean, just to say exactly what you said, the first read, you look at it, Kind of without him. I don't read it. First time, I did not read it with his voice in my mind and uh-huh. with his experiences in my mind at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really cool. I mean, he could have easily put that story or that section at the very beginning. Yeah. And it could have been like a preface and it could have been a way for, like, he could have imp- included that as part of the intro. 
And it could have been a way for sort of um, setting the scene or helping us frame where he comes from in these stories. But I liked the switch because he framed it as I was the assistant who was here working with everybody. And then it was almost like, but also, oh, by the way, at the end, like there's this additional layer that you then get to look through and see. Well, and he mentions it in this, I'm trying to find it, that this, wasn't it that writing this section helped him to put together the rest of it? Because he had started writing this collection and then started... Yeah, he said between... So he started writing um, the antisocial personality disorder and the famous people one while he was working to become a mental health nurse. Right. And then that kind of didn't work out. He didn't end up going down that path and he felt like it was a huge failure. And then he came back to it after the fact. So it was like after he went through his own journey, um, then he came back and wrote the rest. Yeah. Cause he kind of goes back and he explains like his own, um, young life where he was like super duper shy and dealt with, like his his anxiety, his social anxiety, um, and then how art was something that really helped him, and then how he was the mental health, or he was the assistant, and then through his experiences as an assistant, decided to become a mental health nurse, but then everything sort of fell apart for him, and then he had to kind of like come back, back from it, and I think yeah. that's where art came back in, right? Right, right. Oh, Prozac and the internet. Those were the two things that helped him. Yeah. It was interesting. It is really interesting. And I feel uh, like it was, like, ultimately a really, like, positive and hopeful note to end the book on, which I think is important after some really heavy topics that came up earlier. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, this is kind of a hard thing. This collection is hard to talk about because kind of I kind of feel like what what is there to say? Right. About of these sections, um, other than I think it's, I think that this is really important for someone to kind of like we've been talking about a lot of books that we've been reading. Yeah, I think this is important for someone to read who maybe thinks that they understand what it's like to have a mental illness, or you know what each of these actually, what what each of these experiences is actually like. Right. Um, because I think it does kind of shed some some light on the struggles and the stigmas that come with it. Totally. Um, And then I also think that for someone who has maybe experienced some of these, it's also very hard to read. Totally. It kind of forces you to relive things, you know? Um, Yeah, I think it, it, like, serves multiple purposes depending on the reader. I think it could be really valuable um, for somebody who does not suffer from mental illness to gain perspective, excuse me, and understanding and compassion. Because that's ultimately really what he seems to be arguing for, right? Like, he's positing the argument that, like, people are people who are going through tons of different things at different points, and, you know, ultimately he's humanizing Mm -hmm. folks in these stories. And so, like, that's one sort of reading depending on where you're coming from but if also if you're somebody who's experienced experiencing or has experienced 
um, the mental illnesses that he describes and sort of highlights, then hopefully that can also be a way to sort of recognize recognize that understanding maybe or mm-hmm. see see the destigmatizing as potentially like a, a good step forward. Right. And then like I was saying before, I this book made me want to be like, okay, all of my students who are like, I want to go into nursing or I want to, you know, be a psychologist or, you know, I mean, I have young kids, they're ninth graders, but they have, they have their interests and right. some of them are already sort of trying to figure out and decide what they want. I feel like he, what did he say? It was on 12, page 12. It was when he was, it's in the dementia section and he was describing how like sometimes with the dementia patients, the people with Alzheimer's, like they're literally cleaning up, like, piss and shit. Oh, yeah. And he was, like, describing, what did he say? It's hateful work cleaning up feces and urine. However, it's basic nursing, and if you can't do it, then you shouldn't be a nurse. And I was, like, that was, like, really real and straightforward, and he's just, he's pointing out, like, this is is the job. Like, this is what you do, and if you can't do it, then go find something else. Not in a mean way, but more just, like, hey, this is, like, part of the game. Or right, part of part and parcel just, of the the whole thing, and that's something that he also identifies with in the last section about himself, where one of his managers didn't they say like maybe this yeah. isn't right for you? Yes, um, because he was having such a hard time dealing with some of these issues. Exactly. So I was like, I feel like this is an important, it's an important book mm-hmm. for somebody who is like, okay, this is an interest of mine, and it's. I think he's real. He doesn't sugarcoat. Like you said, it's not cheesy. Right. So. But it, it also, I mean, yeah, it's not cheesy. It's also not dumbed down. No, it's, yeah. But these are some of the facts. These are some true, true feelings yeah. and experiences. And I think he does a really good job, too, of, like, balancing with sort of, like, gallows humor. <laughs> the humorous aspects. Yeah. With the real pain. And I think yeah. that, I don't know, it makes, it reminds me of thinking about how what we were talking about with Phoebe Robinson last week or whatever. Oh, yeah. we talked, and we were talking about how, like, sometimes humor is, like, a coping me- mechanism or it's a tool or it's a way that you can kind of, like, c- converse about and explore complex, painful issues. Right. And so right. I feel like, there were moments of, like, sort of gallows-esque humor or sort of dark humor that I think were well-balanced. Right. And I think it pointed out, like, you know, sometimes you just have to, you just have to laugh to a certain extent. You just have to just take it and say, okay. Right. And I think that there were a few sections, I wish that I used post-its, um, that I... I found myself laughing uh-huh. in sections, and I was like, oh, I feel like this isn't appropriate, but also, like, a funny little yeah. bit there, you know? I took most of my notes at the beginning, because then I was reading the end when I was, like, about to go to bed, and I didn't have post notes with me. Oh, yeah. But, like, one of them was, when he was talking about, it was in the dementia section, and he was talking about how they, like... Somebody had a bowel movement, and it was, like, disappeared, and then the way it was discovered was somebody else was eating it as if it was a chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you just you just have to, like, laugh. You can't, like, yeah. 
what what do you do? Right. You know? That was, I think, the exact one that I was thinking of. Yeah. We're just like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but oh my gosh. I know. You just have to. And then, of course, there were just, like, so many moments that were super heartbreaking. Since I'm already in the dementia section, like, where he was describing how a lot of times um, people with Alzheimer's end up sort of living in a childlike state. Right. And he was describing the one patient who was being picked on by another patient. And then there's the scene where he's talking to his wife. And it's like, a bigger boy is picking on me. And I just, I don't know, for some reason that got me... Like, in the feels, I was just like, oh, man. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That dementia one was, I mean, obviously, I haven't experienced it personally. Um, so that one was tough to read, to actually. I kind of, we've always been saying it makes you, it forces you into these um, emotions and experiences and that one definitely had me experiencing things. And then there were the ones with that were like just kind of horrifying, like especially the self-harming sections. Yeah. With those descriptions and with the drawings, like they obviously weren't super duper graphic because it's like black and white and it's somewhat simplistic line drawings, but like with the descriptions covered yeah. with the illustrations, it was still like painful and hard, you know? Totally. Like, the one where he's describing the patient with the hammer? Yes. Oh, yeah. I was reading that. I, like, kept just cringing up. Yeah. Um, you really... It's like you can just see it. Or the patient with the nipples. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh. That's, like, a visceral. Yeah, definitely. So, there's, like, a lot of pain in this book, for sure. For such a small book, it packs, like, a huge punch. Yeah, Definitely. And the, the, I need to find it. I think it's the suicide. Mm-hmm. Her and the woman at the end. And she. Yeah. She ends up taking her life. Um, where is it? And he talks about the kind of like survivor's guilt. Yeah. Of the people left behind. An average of six people. It's, I'm on page 118. Okay. That's the end of that section. Oh. Yeah, there's the two stories in there. Oh. The woman... Um, shoot, I just have it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was from the guy. Yeah, the woman was 112. Yeah. Um, and they just didn't realize the depths of what she was experiencing. Yeah, and he talks uh, about how, like, they looked back with hindsight. They, like, sort of were like, oh, she was, like, strangely calm and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have to go back to that as someone who is the nurse or the aide as well, just yeah. having to experience that. Yeah. And, yeah, and then the guy who had driven his car up to the foot. Yeah. There was just a lot. There was. And then there's the section on, like, I think it was really great, the section where he... Wait, where did it go? People who... People with mental illness. He talks about, like, a lot of... um famous people where did it go oh here it is it's titled people with mental illness enrich our lives and he talks about winston churchill and he talks about judy garland and nick drake and brian wilson 
Yeah. And Spike Milligan. I thought that that was, like, this obvious, that one seemed, and it made sense to me later when um, Cunningham pointed out that he wrote that sort of before. Like, he wrote those, that section and a different section before and then later came back to the rest. Because this, like, yeah. was a, kind of like a standalone. It seemed like it could be a zine all by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense, too, because he was saying that he first started publishing those stories online mm-hmm. individually, and mm-hmm. then people pushed him to make a collection. Yeah. Um, I thought that that was, like, a really well sort of... It was, like, a, a nice little intro. <clears throat> and so he, like, gives you a little introduction to, like, these famous people and, like, their contributions to society as well as their mental illnesses and how, like, yeah. their mental illnesses ultimately kind of led to why they were enriching our lives as he put it yeah which was really interesting to point out like and i I, he he kind of pushes against this later when he talks about i think art and he's like your mental illness is not what gives you creativity i don't remember where he said that oh right but also in the section he is kind of pointing out like you know, if these people, what they were battling with was very painful for them, but yeah. it kind of was also what um, sort of fueled them to be, be as he put it, enrichment that they ended right. up being. So I thought that was, like, sort of celebrating to an extent. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying that, like, negatively, but I think that he was kind of saying, like, hey, you know... You don't have to be defined by your mental illness, but you also don't have to feel crippled by it. Right, and it can inspire you to find other outlets, which can be creative and inspiring. Right. You know what's funny? Like, when I was growing, this is, like, back to those people, famous people, like, in high school, I probably threw, like, Michael or Tommy, somebody, like, shared Nick Drake, like, with me. Mm -hmm. They're like, you're going to really like Nick Drake, and I did. Yeah. And I didn't realize that he was, like, so unknown. Right. I was thinking that, too, because I feel like his name has been all around me my whole life. Yeah. And so to read that, I was like, oh, really? Like, yeah. it's a big part of my growing up that I know about it. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Oh, also, I wanted to point out that, like, I think that he, um... Cunningham brings in the science, like, sparingly, but also, like, appropriately. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Like, he talks about um, neurotransmitters and how drugs – what does he point out? Which drugs does he point out? Antidepressants. Antidepressants and their – how they work in terms of um, serotonin and norepinephrine. And I was like – I know these, like, words to an extent. It's been a while since I took a class that had to do with, like, brain psychology. um, Yeah. Or, like, science, even. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is, like, digestible, but also not dumbed down. Yeah. Definitely. Is that in the schizophrenic? It's in the depression section. Oh. Oops, sorry. He does it in the... Schizophrenic um, section, too? Yeah. Towards the end. Uh-huh. Um, one, oh. Oh. One hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. He's talking about, like, new antipsychotics. Yeah. Totally. You know, also, reading this book helps me sort of remember, because he points out that, like, it's 
now he says this very early on like nowadays in the current social climate like it's super not acceptable to be openly racist or openly sexist but it's still pretty acceptable to be openly discriminatory or just like an asshole to people with mental illness yeah and it sort of reminded me about like the need to be careful with language and how you you describe people and i remember I don't remember what I read, but I remember reading something a couple years ago, and it was talking about how just, like, being very careful about using the word crazy to describe people who are just acting in a way that you think is, like, you know, out of outside of the norm. So, like, right. using crazy or using, like, psychotic or things like that, right. lunatic, um, because or, – or, like, casually saying, like, oh, bipolar, you're being so bipolar yeah. – um, which is something that like I do try to keep in mind, but I think also is still considered totally sort of acceptable. Yeah, definitely. I was talking with Caitlin about this recently and we one day were trying not to say the word crazy and it's, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it comes out of your mouth so frequently Yeah, yeah. that even when we were trying, you know, because it's just part of the norm to say that to describe anything right. that's irregular. Yeah. Um, if we really were trying hard, you yeah. know, it, it took work. Um, and if you think about it, even until very recently, people were still saying retarded right. as like a just general slang term, you know? Right. No, seriously. And people still do. In, I definitely still hear adults. Very rarely do I hear students, which this is my fourth year as a, like, full-time teacher. And yep. when I started, it was something that I, like, had to, like, talk to students about at the beginning of every year. So I think it's really oh. interesting that that – and, like, I remember when I was student teaching the year before that, there were posters in the hallway of the school that I was student teaching at that was, like, you know um, – words matter and it was pointing out like there was like some ad campaign at the time I don't know if you remember I think Hillary Duff was in it and it was like Hillary Duff somebody some kid goes oh my god that's so retarded and then Hillary Duff comes in and goes oh my god that's so Heather and so they were like or that's so Jessica you know they were like pointing out that like when you say that word you're equating you know people who have Down syndrome or who you consider quote-unquote det- retarded as right. equating them with stupid or, like, dumb or whatever. Um, right. So it's really interesting to me that that's not a battle that I fight with my students anymore. That is interesting, and that shows promise that, like, eventually... Super short time period. Yeah. But also, I personally, like, fight to be more equitable with my language and to not be ableist. And um, that includes having, you know, uh, an awareness of using terminology that is derogatory towards people with mental illnesses. And I do regularly hear students refer to somebody as being bipolar. Like, oh, you're being so bipolar. Calm down. So that I still definitely hear. Um, Yeah. And then, like you said, like talking about or describing somebody as crazy or casually describing something as psychotic, which we, I think, have done in our conversations about thrillers, so. Oh, yep, yep. (laughs) You know, so it's interesting. It's even something, like, hysterical. Mm -hmm. I go through phases of trying not to say, and then I just will forget 
for one day and all of a sudden it's back in my like, in my vocabulary, yeah. you know? Well, uh, it, it also reminds me of how I remember, like, I did not understand that the term, this is, like, off a little bit, but until Zoe told us, or told me, not us, I don't know if she told you, until Zoe <laughs> told me in college, or mentioned casually maybe, about gypped being offensive, and she was like, yeah, you know. she told us. Us, okay, yeah. And I remember I came home, typical, like, me coming home from, like, Mills. And my dad said, and I'm like, Dad, that is offensive. Here is why. And he was like, okay, I'll try not to say it. <laughs> but it was like, I think that was probably, like, the entire four years of college where, like, me yeah. coming home and being like, no, you can't say this. Guess what else is offensive? <laughs> but totally. it was not on my radar until, like, our friend Zoe, friend of the podcast Zoe, uh, told us. And I was like, oh, shit, I never even really thought about the, like, etymology of the word. Totally. Same. I had the same experience as that <laughs> going home. Mom, guess what? Can't say it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I mean, I think that every day you find new words that are just like, oh, that's how it started? Like, that's where that came from? Right. Okay. <laughs> And I know some people might be like, oh, every day you find out that you have to be more PC. You're like, every day I find out more things I can't say. But, like, I think ultimately what it is is every day you're recognizing, like, the inherent bias and discrimination and hatred in words. And, like, it's be a compassionate and loving person and recognize and try to work on it. Right. And be more creative with the language that you True. use instead of just falling for these easy True. common terms you that's, know that's what i used to say to my kids or my students yeah. when they would say retired i'd be like you know what that is like you know what no be more creative and find something yeah. that is not gonna offend somebody well nobody in our class well you don't know other people's lived experiences right you right. know no but yeah ultimately like be more creative man especially in english class right totally. <laughs> <laughs> Also, is your drink being kept above your computer? Yeah, I have a shelf above my computer. Okay. I'm not just, like, showing off my armpit. Olivia, here's my armpit. Here it is. Check it out. There it is. Oh, any uh, other thoughts about this book? Um, well, like I said, ultimately, I just, I feel like it's a really, it's a fast read, but I think that it, like, carries a lot of really important messages. I think yeah. it was, like, aesthetically pleasing, but also, like, super-duper readable, and I mean that in a positive way, and yeah. I would totally, like, let's be real, it's a short graphic novel you could read, or graphic stories, you could read it in an afternoon, Yeah, and I think it's totally the kind of book where I'd be like, hey, you want to read something interesting and pass it off to, like, anybody, Yeah, especially people who maybe you feel, maybe you want to, like... Expose them to some ideas that yeah. are valuable to recognize that are sort of destigmatizing. Um, yeah. And then also, like I said, I kind of also want to have it on my bookshelf at my in my classroom. You should. For students, because I think it would be super valuable for young people as well. Mm-hmm. How about you? Totally agree. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty much just like ditto everything <laughs> you said. Um I read this in an hour. I had one drink and was done with this book. Um, it only takes you an hour to drink a drink? Well, because I was so invested in reading. I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, and 
which was great because I got to kind of go back in and dive in later. For sure, after yeah. That. Um, so I think that this is a good book for someone who either A, is new to graphic novels or short stories because it was a very quick read. For sure. Yeah. Um, and kind of allows you to jump back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, each section is pretty short, so you can kind of pick and choose. Um, and also I would give it to someone who maybe needs a little bit of an awakening. Um or someone who just needs help understanding that we need to normalize mental uh, health. Gentle issues. nudge. Gentle nudge. Yeah, just a gentle, like, oh, you want to read? Here you go. Um, although now anyone who listens to this podcast will know my... Your intentions? Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> I think um, you need some learning. <laughs> Get yourself okay, but it's um, <laughs> but, <be> okay. <laughs> but I liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I read it. Um, I think there were probably even parts that woke me up a little bit too, you know, for sure. Um, I agree, and I'm always down for that. Yes, me too. I was like, this is like a good reminder to me to like watch the way that I refer to like. People using language also watch my preconceived notions about folks who um, have mental illness and etc. Yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, just being a compassionate and loving human. That's all we can do. I'm just going to like tattoo that on my palm. Be like, be a compassionate and loving human. (laughs) And like a little checkbox. Yeah. (laughs) Checkbox so I can check it off for the day. Were you a compassionate, loving human? <laughs> um, cool. All right. What are we reading next? Um, next, I actually have it right next to me. Oh, oh, there you go. Next, we are reading "We the Animals" by Justin Torres. Torres, if you're gonna roll your R's. <laughs> um, can I tell you that I ordered this on Amazon because I tried to get it at my local bookstore, but they didn't have it, and oh. it came. With somebody's writing on it. Oh my god. And can I read it? Yeah. It says, oh, it's sort of sad. Kate, I gave this book to many people this Christmas. It was an animal themes year. But after reading it the first time in under two hours, you were one of two people I immediately wanted to share it with. I hope it moves you as it moved me. I'm so happy that you were happy and I'm looking forward to the nuptials. I love you so much, even if we're both if we've both been bad about staying in touch forever, love, I can't read the last, but like, that's a really personal, and they sold this. (laughs) Now I have this book. (laughs) So like, Kate, that was like a moving and sweet note. What is the name that signed it? It looks like Eric, but then there's like a big old swoop. Oh. It's like Erica, maybe, but like that doesn't look like an A. Yeah. Eric, are... Maybe it's like Eric L. Maybe. Maybe Weird. Eric was in love with Kate. Maybe. Although that, I'm, this sounds sexist, that kind of looks like the girl's writing. Yeah, the handwriting is sort of, maybe it's not an E, maybe that's an L. Lyric? <laughs> I don't know. 
Maybe, okay, maybe that last letter's a Y. Okay. What is it, Leary? <laughs> Why? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. The Ooh. reason I originally asked, though, <laughs> is because my friend, by my bartender friend, uh-huh, yeah. Logan is the one who gave this book to me, and he said that he keeps copies with him because he loves it so much. Oh, that's interesting. So I was like, oh, maybe... This person also gave it to, like, lots of different people. Yeah. That's Maybe really it was Logan, but it wasn't. Well, it kind of looks like an L, but it doesn't look like Ogan after that. Yeah. That's too bad. Weird. Seems that's weird. Tell this book was sold. <laughs> I know. I was like, I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's shameless. Yeah. Like, what? what you have this, like, mean? heartfelt comment, and you're just like, fucking sell it. <laughs> I'm a ghost, and I bought it for like three bucks. Like you didn't even make money on it. Oh no, that's yeah. so sad. I know it's super sad. I'm looking forward to the nuptials. I know. Sorry, we didn't keep in touch. This is tragic. Like Kate, you got a gift from this person, like a Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. You don't have to keep all your gifts, but like, don't sell them on Amazon. Right, like, if anything, give it to another person who will enjoy it. I know. Or put it in a little free library. Do you have little free libraries in your neighborhood? Yeah. I feel like there are a thousand in my neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) What can I get there? I've grabbed a couple books. I actually haven't read any of them yet, but... I got Jim Gaffigan's book there, one of his. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it good? I haven't read it yet. Oh. (laughs) It's on my list. We're doing doing real good. (laughs) We got all these little free library books and... Somebody listening to this is like, that's not what it's for. You're supposed to read it and you pass it on. Don't hold on to it. <laughs> it's really adding to my color-coordinated bookcase. Oh, so you grabbed books for their colors. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. So speaking of not knowing what that person's name is, yeah, you gave me a thank you card a while ago, and I've held on to it forever because there was a word in there that I didn't know <laughs> what it was, and I... Finally figured it out. Wait, <laughs> Why didn't you just ask me? I don't know. <laughs> hey, girl. All I had was a thank you card. So thank you, yes, for taking this off my hands. So we're on for an April visit, yeah? I can't wait. I also can't wait for you to see our new place. It's so fantastic. I'm loving it. Also, oh. <laughs> okay, so then you say, also can't wait to chat. D-O-T-B, I finished How to Build a Girl last night. I better make notes. Love, Ashley. Uh-huh. And then on the inside, okay, you write, I mean, and it looks like latch. Uh-huh. Lovingly and ironically. And so I would sit here, and I was, like, going back and forth trying to figure out where you wrote the word latch. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, maybe that was a word that was in... A how to build a girl, like a British like slang word, and I just like don't get it. Because then I was like, oh my god, it's an inside joke, and I don't understand. <laughs> Turns out you wrote bitch on the front of my card, <laughs> and it's a B I, L A. So this was written March 2016, uh-huh. and I literally solved this mystery last month. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> May, June, July, October, July, October, September, November, eight months. 
solve that mystery. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. Yep. I'm going to so, start writing you more letters just so you can, like, have more riddles in your life. <laughs> I would appreciate it because it was great solving this mystery. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I literally um, kept it with me. <laughs> like, I haven't lost it because I was like, I need to figure out what latch means. Latch <laughs> Oh my god, mystery solved. I'm gonna start calling you Latch. Like, hey Latch, what's up? Oh god. You are such a Latch. Oh my god, stop being such a Latch. <laughs> so, we're reading We the Animals. Oh yes. And By Justin Kate, such a Latch for selling that book. Whatever, Kate, you son of a Latch. <laughs> 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 you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna start saying that tonight. <laughs> Immediately. You have like a lot of people to call a latch. <laughs> yeah. All these I... latches! <laughs> she will find people. Give me that drink, latch. <laughs> Latch. Oh my god, yes, please. <laughs> um, cool. Let's get reading. <laughs> weird hiccup happened. I just like that you're holding that. Thanks, Lab.